to another episode of the Homeschool Project Podcast. Hi. How are you? I'm great. Good. You have your glass of wine? I do. I have my glass of high quality H2O. <laughs> yes. You always make me look bad. <laughs> <laughs> you might have a problem. I might. Please don't think I do this all the time, but it's nice on the weekends. <laughs> well, we are back to speak about um, a, one of our favorite books, right? Yes. That we found so far. Mm-hmm. So what we're going to call this is uh, these episodes are going to be called the book note, mm-hmm. and we're going to do kind of like a like a book review, but um, just kind of discuss the book that we we found interesting and that we thought some other people might like. Uh, tonight's book is called Fifty Two Days by Camel by Lowry Raskin. Yes. Right, and it's about his travels across the Sahara Desert and through parts of Africa. Mm-hmm. And uh, I. For one, love travel books. I read them myself because I love to travel. And uh, the kids really picked up on this one. Mm -hmm. And I think you enjoyed it as well, right? Oh, I loved it. I really did. So, yeah. uh, If you want to start off just by kind of talking about how you incorporated it into homeschool uh, curriculum, and then we can go from there. Okay. So, first I want to point out that, um, like you said, it's Lowry's Adventures in the Sahara Desert. And he wrote the book with the help of Deborah Pearson, who apparently is a children's book author. And I feel like it actually helps having her help him along the way. Because we've read a couple other books, and this one just like hit it home with the kids and how things are explained. And even for me, I just feel like it, they do a great job of like describing things and getting you excited about all his adventures along the way. And the way that it's written is kind of like a journal, and it has lots of photographs of his journey along the way, which again is very helpful when you're associating it with to kids. And in the book, he talks a lot about, um, you'll learn a lot about the geography, traditions and cultures of the area, uh, such as the facts of on the Sahara Desert, and then traditions of local people, even the Muslims there. And to me, I felt like this was a perfect example of a living book, which we've talked about in previous episode. And again, just as a reminder, a living book is a nonfiction book written by someone who is passionate in the subject area. And Lowry in the beginning of the book explains how ever, as far as he can remember as a child, he had this passion and this interest in deserts. And then as he got older, it just grew. And he then set this goal that he wanted to go to the Sahara. And when he gets there, finally, he sees the sign for Timbuktu and he all of a sudden says, okay, on this journey, I'm going to journey all the way to Timbuktu because that's just this ancient town, that, you know, nobody well, is. It's, a, it's a, like a ancient caravan road, right? Yeah. And the mm-hmm. cool thing, I, which I didn't, I didn't understand what the, the name meant. I just assumed it was a random name of the book, 52 mm-hmm. Days by Camel, but the sign to Timbuktu mm-hmm. said 52 day, Days by Camel. 
And that's that's how the sign actually read was. Uh, it said fifty two days. 50, and then I'm sorry. He, yes. Yeah. Explained it to us that if you see that on a sign, it means fifty two days by camel. Right. Yes. <laughs> Which is really cool. You know, our signs are definitely not going to have that. You know, description. <laughs> no. But yeah. I thought that was I thought that was really neat. Mm-hmm. So we, well, how we used it in our schooling was for geography because of the curriculum that we follow. It actually recommended this book. And so we, like I said, we use it for geography, but I feel like you can also use it as, this is another great book for unit studies. So maybe if you're doing a unit study on deserts in general, this would be a great book for that, that you could just, there's all these different avenues you could take from it. And just a couple suggestions when you get going with the book, maybe you want to start by asking your kids, okay, do you guys know where the Sahara Desert is? See if they know. Our kids did not, you know. And then maybe ask them, okay, well, uh, is there anything you can tell me about a desert in general? Any facts that you know, maybe what animals will typically live there? What's the weather like? What's the terrain look like? And then once you get going, try to help make a connection of the, so this book, obviously it's the Sahara desert is in Africa. So I was trying to make a connection between other subjects that we have talked about Africa, or if you've maybe talked about a desert in general in other subjects you taught and try to bring that connection together. So for us, it was, there's actually two different subjects. So at the time in our U.S. history, we had read how uh, the we were just reading the first time that slaves were introduced to America and they came from Africa. And then I also pointed out that Egypt is in Africa. And we are still studying ancient Egypt as part of our ancient history course. So they're able to, again, see like, oh, wow, this all kind of like relates to each other. And with that, with each time that you're going to read from this book, you would want to have a globe or a world map. And that way, every time we we busted it out, so we would do this once a week. Uh, read from this book for geography, I'd have the globe out and, you know, I would, I would ask them, okay, show me where's Africa. And then they would try to find it. And then that way they can see where Africa falls with the rest of the world. And then we would then try to narrow it down. Okay. What part of Africa is he at right now? And then they point to that. And then in this book, 52 Days by Camel, they do a great job and they actually have maps within the book and he titled them, Where Am I Now? So with each chapter, he has a map of like the different towns he's going through and it starts off even from like the first one and then you get to plot it as you go. So we would look at where he was in our previous reading and then we would read and at the end of our reading, we'd look back at that map and be like, okay, look, this is what he went from here to here. And that's how I feel like we incorporated. Yes. It. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, these 
this ep these episodes aren't meant to be too long, right? It's just supposed right. to be kind of intro introduce a <laughs> book that you might like uh, to use in your own homeschooling curriculum. But we also wanted to talk about some really cool and interesting points from the book as well, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. So some of the ones that I found um, were the uh, the art. Um, they explained how the art that they that he would come across uh, in Muslim art they don't really depict people or things. That's right. Right. Mm -hmm. So they use um, a lot of geometric shapes in their art, mm -hmm. and the reason being is that uh, in the the Quran, which is the Muslim holy book, mm -hmm. that uh, it states that people sh people should not create representations of living things. Yeah. So it's just their beliefs, mm -hmm. and uh, you know I never would have known that really. And if you came across Muslim art, like what? Why? Why is it uh, just mainly these these shapes and not and, people and people? And that's mm -hmm. that's why even the animals they don't really have they don't have, they say they don't really have statues or mm -hmm. paintings or any any type of art. Um, that depicts that so yeah. found that really interesting mm -hmm. uh sandstorms <laughs> right he talked about some sandstorms in there mm -hmm. and uh i've always found that really fascinating because i've seen videos and pictures of it and it looks fake yeah the it's just so monstrous mm -hmm. and amazing <laughs> that uh, you wonder how somebody survives it but the cool thing is the most of the people that he dealt with and his travels were, were Bedouins, which are like nomadic, mm -hmm. nomadic people. Yeah. And uh, it, they just, they've done this for so long that it's, uh, they just adapted to living in the <laughs> desert. And it's amazing what they can get through. I know, right? Right? So um, we, we're going to uh, post in the show notes some vi a, a video of a, you know, of a sandstorm that yeah. you can look at and use, which is another thing we had spoken about was implementing videos with, the book as well absolutely um, i did that throughout the whole book i tried to find videos on youtube which w i think we'll link a couple actually in the show notes that i felt were very helpful mm -hmm. and I, it was whether it was videos on the different towns or the showing the cam camel caravans and the salt mines all of that mm -hmm. was I, it really again you can see the kids like light up even more i felt like this book did great alone it did yeah you it know was awesome. <laughs> it's a cool book but i always love seeing personally i am so visual that i love seeing videos too so i incorporate that and the kids yeah, it helps it. anybody mm-hmm yeah, the, the the sandstorm too. He he mentioned that uh, there was a there was a uh, sandstorm in the Sahara at one point that the wind carried the red dust from the desert as far as the Swiss Alps, which actually turned the snow covered caps there pink. That's how far the sand traveled. That's, that's crazy. So if you can, I don't think you can really even imagine how big of a storm that would have to be. So no. that's that's pretty neat. Mm -hmm. um, Another another one that I loved was uh, tea time. Yeah. Right. So they talk. He talks about tea time. So they all drink tea, mm -hmm. uh, mint mint tea. Yep. They said that that was the uh, Morocco's national drink. Yes. Hot mint tea. Hot mint tea. And uh, I found it really interesting because what better to drink in the middle of the Sahara Desert than a scolding <laughs> cup of hot tea? It reminds me of like one of our last episodes when I talked about eating soup in Florida in the summer. Like right. it's the most miserable meal you could possibly have. I think soup was a bad choice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it doesn't seem like hot tea would be the greatest choice, but what they explained was some people believe that it makes you sweat, mm -hmm. which in turn cools you off. Yep. 
which I didn't, I didn't really think about that. No, but, uh, yeah. I found it interesting. <laughs> and uh, another thing is that you always get three cups of tea, right? <laughs> yeah. And uh, it's very sweet tea, almost syrupy. Mm-hmm. And if you're a guest, the, you get more sugar. Mm. Right, because you're mm-hmm. it's you're kind of the guest of honor, mm-hmm. and uh, sugar is a luxury. Yes, that's right. And so the more sugar you get, uh, the cut's kind of more special. Mm-hmm. And uh, they also said that the third the third cup of tea marks the time for you to leave. <laughs> right? Genius. Genius. <laughs> and when I was reading it, I thought to myself, I really like this idea because we, you know, may- maybe it's just us, but you always get the weird guest over your house who just doesn't know when to leave or when it's like time to go. And you're just like sitting there staring at your drink and like looking around awkwardly or up at the ceiling like, what's this person's deal? Like, the, like I know I would get it. Like, hey, it's probably time for me to get out of here. But if, if everybody knew that the third cup of tea was time for you to scoot, it would make that moment so much more comfortable. Right? Yeah. Then- we probably have more guests over at at night. <laughs> the, the, the thing too is that they said is like the the, tea, the cups of tea could come right after one another, or there could be hours in between. Which I, I'm guessing if they come right after the other, it means your your company's <laughs> yeah, not the best company. <laughs> like, we we've needed this a couple times. I think I even left you in the dust one night and said, "All right, I'm going to bed, everyone." <laughs> oh, you absolutely did. You you actually told them you were going to bed, and I was left there and like if they don't get that i don't know what i'm gonna have to do i'm just gonna have to like leave them some blankets and pillows like look i'll see you in the morning i guess because you're not leaving i'll blame it on the pregnancy card because i was pregnant at that time i was so tired it was nice having you guys yeah you left me in the trenches it was so late and they just weren't getting it yeah so yeah, three cups of tea. I think I'm going to start implementing that in my house. I'm going to like post the rules. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, after the third cup of tea or third cup of whatever you're drinking, it's time to leave my house. Done. <laughs> you're done. You're done. <laughs> so yeah, that was probably one of my favorite parts of the mm-hmm. book. I thought that was, was. cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the other one was uh, Desert Bread. Oh, yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. We talked about this in one of the last episodes, but the kids really thought this was cool. They did. But they, uh, you know, they cook bread in the sand mm-hmm. um, and they kind of put a fire on top of it and then just kind of bang it off and knock it off to get all the dirt and dust yeah, off I mean, and it's chow down natural oven it's so cool it is so yeah that was uh that was neat and we uh po- i'm going to post a video too yes. of, mm-hmm. of uh, bedouin actually cooking some desert bread yeah and i um another idea while reading this book and we've said this in one of our other episodes, not even necessarily just this book, but to make it more interesting, if if your heart so desires, to pull in things like this, traditional meals or foods into your learning. So if you wanted to make desert bread at home, obviously we can't make desert bread, but something similar. So I actually found a recipe for sand bread and you make it in your bread machine. But even that, I think the kids would just love that and just be like, oh my gosh, we're having desert bread. Or tea time, because we just read that tea time is very you know, important there and special. So have tea time while you're reading. And the three you, cup rule doesn't have to apply. No, no, <laughs> not with your kids. <laughs> Although, <laughs> and, um, or, 
The other one I thought of when I was reading this book was if you dared to have a meal where you only ate with your hands, because that was another tradition. That's right. You, you only with your hands, and you only with your right hand. Right. So they eat out of a communal plate. So there's one, one basically one dish, and everybody picks off of it, mm -hmm. and that's how they eat. And they only use their right hand because the left hand is used to wipe your nether regions. <laughs> Right? Yes. So it's thought to be unclean, so nobody touches the food with the poop hand. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Our kids are like in awe over that, and I'm like, no, this is how it is. <laughs> yes. I probably, we should probably use that rule with the kids when they're eating out of my bag of food, too. Because <laughs> God only knows Just where that hand's case. been. Just in case. <laughs> nobody wants the dysentery. <laughs> So, yeah, uh, uh, one of those cultural things that, uh, you know, was a great learning lesson for the kids and, uh, you know, definitely something you'd want to know if you ever traveled there. Yeah, right. right? Those, are, those are things you want to know. You Absolutely. Don't, you don't want to anger the crowd, <laughs> picking off everybody's plate with the left Going hand. Going with the left hand. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> no, you didn't. <laughs> You would not be invited again. <laughs> no, yeah. The, the third cup of tea is coming quick. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Time to go. Uh, another, another really cool uh, part of the book was uh, talking about the salt caravans. Mm -hmm. So they actually, mine, they actually mine salt by hand there. Yeah. And, like, cut out these blocks of salt. Oh. And uh, then they strap them to camels mm -hmm. and bring them back by the caravan. Yeah to town mm -hmm. where they, you know, they're sold yeah. and they're actually, those guys are paid in salt. That's so right, they're yeah. able to keep, I think like a third of the salt mm -hmm. that they've, that they've mined yeah. and then they have to sell, I'm assuming sell it themselves and that's how they make their money it's so, when they it, get back to town. Such laborious work. Very, yeah, very laborious work. And I was wondering, okay, there's gotta be, and this is, the book's not new, but uh, mm -hmm. you know, they said that it's even then it was starting to change. But the reason they, people bought that salt was, it was thought to have healing powers mm -hmm. because it came from a certain area. And now people are buying just, you know, cheaper salt. And, yeah. Uh, not necessarily coming from a caravan, right? <laughs> but the the pictures and just the description of it is pretty amazing. And I think we have a video of that too. Yes, we right? do. Mm -hmm. um, and then, um, what, what was the other one? The Blue Men? Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. Just need, they're called the Blue Men of Africa. Yep. And uh, their skin and clothes uh, are dyed blue mm -hmm. because they um, trade in indigo. Yeah. And the indigo just just colors them and their clothes because they're just, you know, they're covered in it all the mm -hmm. time. And so they walk around and even their skin is like this tint of blue. Yep. Um, I know our daughter was intrigued with that. Yeah, mm -hmm. that was uh, that was interesting. And, and uh, I think our son's favorite part of the book was the uh, desert checkers. <laughs> yes. Right? So... I'm sorry. They... They play a game that's somewhat, somewhat like checkers, I guess, and uh, they they draw the board in the sand, mm -hmm. and then because they don't carry the um, pieces, mm -hmm. they one size you it said one side would use like twigs or something, mm -hmm. and the other size side uses camel poop, <laughs> pieces of camel poop as your, of course, right? Yeah, uh, on the on the uh, for pieces. Yes. And I just have to wonder, like, are you the like, are you like the the new guy? The new guy gets the camel poop to play the game. I don't know. 
But he thought that was he thought that was awesome yeah. and hilarious. And they also use they actually you also use camel poop uh, for fires. Oh really? I don't remember that. Yeah, to to mm. um to 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 burn uh when they're in the desert and there's because obviously not a whole lot of wood i know that sometimes they would bring wood with them Mm -hmm. uh but uh, these trips were really especially the caravan trips are so long i mean they're out in the middle of nowhere yeah it's amazing what they do Mm -hmm. to survive out there like that to to burn the the camel's poop and Mm -hmm. that the animal that they use to do this uh they burn their poop for fires Mm -hmm. and like the the bread is just so simple but they they make it, and then the tea. It's like this this whole production to make this tea. They set the tents up like in no time. Mm-hmm. Their tents and are have a fire and tea brewing, you yeah. know, several times a day. Mm-hmm. Uh, is is amazing. It's it just is. just very resourceful it is. people. Yes, and, um, exactly. They just uh, they just figured it out. Mm-hmm. But the book in general was is very well written. Yeah. It's definitely written for uh, for kids to be able to understand and yes. get into. Mm-hmm. And I think it sparked their interest. Which is what is most important. That's yes. what they're going to remember. Yeah, it is. And uh, it, they, were, they, they, were, they were wanting to read it. Mm-hmm. They were interested. And then uh, it's just when you can find a book like that, it makes them want to read more. Yeah. And it also sparks your interest in traveling and yeah, different cultures. That made the list. That list that I told you about that they're just adding places as we read. That definitely was like, oh, we want to go see the Sahara Desert now. <laughs> yeah, I know. I do, too. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm, I'm, that's the type of person I am. I, just, I love traveling and seeing new places. Mm-hmm. And I love reading books like that, even though it was kind of like it was a children's book. I, I actually really enjoyed the Me read too. and uh, would def- it would recommend it. Yes. For anybody's, yes. uh, you know, home library. Yeah. But uh, for the sh- for the show notes, right? We're going to add all those the, some YouTube videos of different yep. parts of the book that we had found. Mm-hmm. It's not the videos aren't um, spe- specific to the book, no. but they're um, examples exactly. of things from the book. Yep. Uh, we also have uh, we're going to put the um, National Geographic map in there. Oh, that's right. Yes. Um, it's called National Geographic Interactive Map Maker. We played around with that. I failed the first time I tried, like two months ago, and then I had you try to sh- to play with it too, and we're mm-hmm. getting there. But if you can figure it out, it's going to be an amazing tool to play with. Yeah, it's not the it's not the most user friendly thing I've no. ever seen, mm-hmm. but it's really neat. You can mark places on the on the world map. Mm-hmm. You can draw lines in between, so you can like somebody's routes, like yep. travel route maybe that they went. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you click on the country, it gives you a brief synopsis of the country and yep. history and the flags. Yes. Um, but for books like these like the one we just mentioned, mm-hmm. you can actually map out the guy's route yeah. and the kids can see how he traveled across the desert yeah, and what and parts of Africa he went to. Add your own personal notes and mm-hmm. apparently add your own photos too. There's a whole... Photos, you can even overlay different uh, different information mm-hmm. that they already have preloaded on there. Yep. So you can see like where uh, like maybe different migrations came from or uh, I think one was like natural disaster areas mm-hmm. of, of the world. Like, and it would overlay that over the map. And you can save each individual map. Yes, yep. And, uh, and so you can keep it for later use. But really cool resource, and we'll, we'll put that in the show notes. Did you have anything else you wanted to add? No, I'm going to add another uh, 
blog post that I had found of somebody else's experience with sand bread that I thought was interesting. So if you wanted to read it to your kids or for your own interests, I'll throw that in there in the show notes too. All right. But yeah. Well, I guess that's all we have tonight. Mm-hmm. And I uh, hope you everybody enjoyed. And uh, we'll see you next week yeah. with another episode. Yep. Stay tuned. All right. Good night. Thank you for listening to the Homeschool Project Podcast. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe and leave a review. If you have any questions or suggestions that we can discuss on the show, send us an email at thehomeschoolprojectpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Goodbye, everyone.